is about Rydeck. Uh, please welcome Jakub and uh, Peter, please. Okay, hello everyone. Uh, once again, I'm Jakub Kroustek. This is Petr Matula with me. We are both from Avast, uh, Br Br <coughs> Brno, Czech Republic. And uh, the talk uh, will be about presentation about our tool called Ridec, uh, which is actually the machine code decompiler. Uh, and of course, because of the topic of this uh, conference, it is open source. Uh, first of all, let us introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm actually founder of this tool, and at the same time, I'm a ThreadLabs uh, team lead at Avast, previously at AVG. And uh, my daily job is usually reversing malware, hunting them, and I'm also kind of a security researcher. So uh, feel free uh, to contact me via email or on Twitter. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm currently the main developer of Redec. So my daily job is just writing code and making it better. We can talk about Redec, or if you are interested, I'm also interested in rock climbing. So preferably over, over a beer, we can have a discussion about any of those topics. Yeah. Uh, the previous two talks were mainly focused on dynamic analysis, uh, which is great. But sometimes uh, you get messy and uh, to stick uh, with static analysis. And there are many challenges while messing with machine code on a static level. For example, you need to have uh, an in-detail uh, knowledge about the target architecture, about its internals, about the instruction set, its extensions, also what is the operating system your code is being run, and there are other challenges, for example, like different file formats, as we've heard in the last presentation. Also, difficult uh, difficulties are inside of different call conventions. Uh, also, it's not the same while debugging an application written uh, in different languages. So it is quite easier uh, when it is being written in C than in, for example, Delphi and the other programming languages. Also, different compilers produce different code. Uh, the same applies to linkers. And when I said that we are analyzing malware, uh, there are many obfuscation and anti-debugging techniques. So uh, all of these is uh, quite, uh, quite challenging. And my point is why uh, do we need to know all the details by ourselves? Because uh, why don't we let that uh, to be done by machines? Uh, I've got also a quiz question. Can you recognize the instruction set? Anyone? Yeah. Right. So why do we need to... Uh, have the knowledge of all of those, and why don't we use something automated? Uh, I'm a big fan of the compilation, so for those who don't know what the compilation is, you can imagine it as a reverse process to compilation. So you basically uh, try to get something which is uh, similar to the original source code from the binary uh, application. Uh, to note that uh, 
it will never be the same because of uh, massive lack of information that are lost during compilation, but a good, good decompiler can produce a quite accurate code. And yeah, I think that it is much more readable to analyze your application on a high-level language uh, representation than to mess with all the instructions uh, that you actually don't, don't need to know. Uh, this was uh, motivation uh, for our project like uh, almost eight years ago. Uh, the name uh, is actually abbreviation for the retargetable decompiler. Uh, our approach is to provide the compilation for different target platforms, file formats, languages, whatever. Uh, we've actually started back at AVG with support of uh, Brno University of Technology in Czech. Uh, during the time, uh, AVG has been uh, acquired by Avast, so now it is being developed under the Avast envelope. And uh, we were lucky enough uh, to uh, open source the decompiler during the BotConf conference uh, last December. So right now it is uh, uh, an open source software and we are uh, really glad for all the volunteers uh, that are starting to building a community uh, around this project. Uh, Actually, it is not one monolithic uh, piece of code, but rather it is a tool chain, a set of tools. Uh, this has a positive effect that you are not forced to use all of them. You can just pick a particular library or tool uh, that fits your needs, and you can use it uh, as a standalone tool. Uh, in combined, they, they are, of course, producing uh, the decompilation but uh, as you will see, uh, there are some of them usable uh, freely as uh, standalone. Uh, I would like also to note that the core of the decompiler is built on top of the LLVM framework. Uh, anyone knows LLVM? I guess so, yeah. So it is a nice uh, framework for building compilers, but we abused it somehow, and we are now using it for decompilation, and it it runs uh, quite well. Also, uh, more details can be found on these addresses and this presentation will be available uh, online, so no need to rewrite them. Uh, we currently support uh, the major 32-bit architectures. Uh, one of the members of our team are currently working on a 64-bit, uh, more precisely x64. Uh, and we support all the major file formats like PELF and the others. Uh, we are running on Linux, Windows, and as one volunteer uh, contributed, we can now uh, run uh, Red Egg even on MacOS. Uh, we are producing different uh, outputs. Uh, yes, the C output, uh, also Python-like code, uh, call graphs, control flow graphs, uh, different uh, analytics and information about the input binaries and yeah that's pretty much it uh, here is the general structure of the compiler 
which contains three main stages. Uh, at first, the preprocessing of the input binary. After that, the core, which uh, transforms the uh, target-dependent instruction sets and instructions into the LLVM IR representation. And this one is analyzed in core and finally lifted up in the backend, which produces uh, the high-level language-like structures. Uh, I will focus on preprocessing after that. Peter will tell you more about the core and the backend. So at first, you've got some samples in uh, some particular uh, target formats, like, uh, let's say, ELF. Uh, we are using different uh, libraries for parsing uh, those structures and producing some unified form of output that is further uh, analyzed uh, by our Yara scanner. We use Yara quite heavily uh, in this uh, particular case for detection of statically linked code because you usually don't want to analyze, let's say, printf because it's usually the same. So uh, we are using such components to skip those parts and do not decompile them. Also, there are other tools like Unpacker if your malicious sample is, for example, packed. So we will try to unpack it because otherwise uh, the outputs will be uh, a huge mess. And uh, because the decompilation is quite a challenging task, we try to reuse every available piece of information. So if we are lucky enough and we've got some debugging information, for example, uh, we will try to reuse it to produce more accurate code. Uh, this is one of the components you can uh, use. Uh, this is Unpacker. Uh, we've chosen uh, two major uh, packers, UPX and Empress. Those are uh, quite often used by malware. Uh, it's, a it's a custom implementation of those algorithms, so our implementation can uh, unpack even the samples that are uh, tricky to unpack by the original UPX. Uh, so uh, feel free to play with it and uh, maybe give, um, give us some feedback. Also, you can use in your project a component which we call, it's, it's hard to say, Stackoffin. Uh, this stays for statically linked code uh, finder. If you know IDA and its flared format, it's uh, quite similar. We basically try to detect a statically linked code inside of applications to do not analyze it anymore because uh, there's no point in doing so. And we are doing so by just extracting uh, the content of uh, functions from libraries, I mean the .a format or .o format and produce uh, automatically Yara rules uh, that can handle all the relocations and other parts. So you can run Yara or our uh, modified uh, scanner that is using Yara, and it will say uh, what parts of uh, application are particular statically linked functions. So this can be handy sometimes. And the last piece of code I will mention is a tool called FileInfo. Uh, we are using this one even in our other projects like malware clustering and uh, the other ones. It will basically extract the most important information about the input PE files, L files, and others. 
for example, it can extract uh, what programming language has been originally used for producing such sample, which compiler, uh, or let's say, uh, content of particular tables, import table, uh, it can parse .NET uh, and other, other goodies. Um, this is, for example, output. I'm not sure if it's readable, but it can tell you uh, that this particular sample was probably produced by Delphi compiler. It can extract the import table or uh, extract, for example, uh, information about PDB and uh, also it can uh, parse the uh, digital certificates and produce it uh, either in a human-readable form or, uh, or it can produce JSON for automatic processing by our tools. Last but not least, there is a .NET uh, parser, so it can tell you which classes are included inside of the application, what are the methods, and other parts. Now, I will pass to Peter. Okay, uh, let's dive a little bit, bit deeper and see uh, like how the decompilation actually works. The magic happens, most of it, in the part that we call core. Uh, this one is based on LLVM. It takes the input binary in the form of image, which is like a result of loading, uh, and it produces an LLVM intermediate representation. There are some other inputs, uh, like debugging information, some JSON metadata from the file info tool, or maybe some uh, databases of ABI specification and so on. So what is LLVM? It is basically just a set of tools, libraries, that are meant to uh, be used to build compilers. It is uh, hugely popular in like academia, uh, and there are uh, many tools that are using this in some kind. Doesn't always have to be compilers. It can be some, basically any tool that analyzes uh, that analyzes something, some programs or binaries or so on. Uh, like the pro most prominent user of this is a Clang, which is a compiler. Uh, Clang is basically just a front end. It takes the input parses it, creates some AST, and then at some point in, it produces uh, intermediate representation called LVM IR, and then the uh, LVM comes in, and LVM, this is just a set of passes, and each pass takes the module of intermediate representation, does some specific job, and produces modified uh, representation. And there is like a chain of these passes. At some point, it, it says like enough, and produces uh, the machine code. So for example, if I uh, take a Hello World program and uh, force C-Lang to, or Clank to uh, print all the passes, uh, it doesn't really matter, but there is like over 200 passes. Uh, what we do is basically the opposite. Um, we start at the end. We've got a bunch of our own passes. You can write your own passes in LVM. And these passes start with the binary and go the other way. So if you see here, we start with some initialization, then decoder, this is actually the pass, our own pass, that produces the LVM IR, and there is, then there is a bunch of passes that you would expect the compiler to do, like identify main or uh, some optimization of branches, syscalls, and so on. At some point, uh, we also employ the LVM passes themselves, or some subsets of them. So what is this LVM IR? 
it is an intermediate representation uh, and uh, uh, I will show it on an example. Uh, here there is a, like a global variable declared and defined, also function defined. We, we can see that there are types, it is strongly typed language. There are also like functions, functions can have arguments and what is happening in the body? Uh, we are loading a value from the global variable adding the loaded value with the value of argument, and then storing the result back to global variable and returning it. A uh, few important things. Uh, LLM IR is in SSA, which means that these temporary variables, this for example X or Y, cannot be redefined. There is only one definition. This doesn't apply to all variables that are allocated. So it is also like low store archi architecture so you can do as many loads and stores to globals as you want. Uh, I think this is a really good uh, representation that will allow you to do whatever, and as you will see, uh, we are using it quite successfully. So how do we get from binary to this representation? There are two main parts that are doing this. The first one is uh, LLVM pass. We call it decoder. This decoder is the logic. It guides and it says what should be decoded, and it also creates control flow and all the stuff that uh, like uh, requires some kind of logic. And the second part is kind of a dumb li library. This library, all it does is just takes binary data, passes the data to Capstone, Capstone produces uh, this assembler, and then this takes the disassembler. Uh, uses a lookup table and it says if it is this instruction, use this template uh, and it will generate LLVM IR based on the template and passes it back to the uh, decoder pass. And the decoder pass, as you will see, does the logic and de like decides what is going to happen next. So this library uh, currently supports like four formats uh, for, for architectures. It was uh, hand-coded and it doesn't, it cannot translate all the instructions in all these architectures. But we don't really need it. Uh, we only need for the compilation, like the core set, to understand the core set uh, and its full semantics. Basically, any instruction that is more, uh, instruction that is more complicated would, would actually do more harm than good for us. Because the result in C would be really crazy and you still wouldn't like understand what's happening there. Um, this part already supports like 64 bits uh, in most of these architectures, but the decompiler as a whole doesn't. It isn't like too hard to enable it, but there are some still some gaps. For example, uh, you can decompile x64 uh, binaries if you enable it, but we don't have a calling conventions for that. It is using different calling convention than 32-bit x86, so basically all the calls are really screwed. Uh, the library, uh, it is a library, and uh, um, uh, the red deck or the decompiler is just one user. Uh, this is another user, it is a sim simple program called Capstone to LVM IR, and you can give it like any one or basically a sequence of assembly instructions, and it will produce uh, LVM IR. So I will just use this to demonstrate how it looks like. Uh, this is a module, LVM IR module. Uh, there are um, global variables for all the registers that this architecture is using. All the instructions in LVMIR must be associated with functions, so we need some function. And if we 
uh, use this on this uh, MIPS instruction, we can see what we got. So we basically just load the value from some register, add it to some uh, constant, and then store it back. If I did this with like x86 add, I would get basically the same thing, but there would be like 20 more lines computing flags and storing it back to like flag registers. So like simple enough. Uh, one thing that I didn't mention yet is that I said that this is dumb and it is like dumb by design. Um, it doesn't try to modify, modify the module beyond the scope of uh, currently translated instruction. So for example, if I give it a, a branch instruction, LLVM, I, LLVM instructions have a branch. So there is a branch in LLVM, but we don't want to actually generate it because if we did, then we have we need some label to branch to. And there is already a logic that would be like too complicated for this. Uh, so for example, I've got jump equal to some, uh, to whatever value, and instead of generating branch here, we generate some kind of pseudo call that can be uh, like resolved later. Why don't we generate branch here? If we did, we would need a label, and we would need to ask our, ourselves the questions like, does this label already exist? If so, use it. If not, create it. Is this label in the same function as uh, this call? If not, we cannot really branch to label another function, and so on and so on. So this whole logic is done somewhere else, not here. This is designed to be just take this um, binary data, get a disassembler, and generate some code, nothing more. So where is the logic happening? It is in deco uh, decoder. It is uh, implementation of uh, recursive traversal decoding. It works on LLVM IR, so it doesn't actually like, need to know anything about assembly. It just works on those instructions that you, that you saw, and it doesn't care what the assembly uh, underlying assembly is. Now, it's, it starts, it starts uh, with an empty module, so we already saw a bunch of uh, global variables that represent uh, registers, some function to begin with, and some pseudo functions. And let's say that now uh, we start decoding at some address 980 hexa. So for example here, this is like entry point. And we would be decoding and creating instructions as we saw here as these three dots are. And then at some point we would hit address 1000 hexa, and there is uh, some instruction that changes control flow. At this point, the library that it does translating will generate this code, but the decoder will notice, oh, uh, control flow changing instructions, instruction was generated, I need to deal with this. And it employs all that logic that I said, it asks, do I have this basic block? Can I create it? Is it valid? Am I jumping to under function? Am I jumping to like middle of instruction that I already decoded, which can happen? It will deal with it and transform it to the thing on the right. So in this particular case, we didn't have the basic block yet, so we can create it and throw away this pseudo call and replace it with branch. The same thing uh, as we just created like basic blocks, we can create functions as we go. So at the end of this process, we've got everything decoded. There are as many instructions as there ever gonna be. We are not going to add uh, later. And we've got like full control flow. And now uh, we can like lift it up even more. Uh, 
I won't go through all the passes that are lifting this up uh, because, well, that would take uh, half a year. <laughs> but what they all got in common is they are doing some kind of pattern matching. And this is when the SSA and load store comes into play because uh, those temporary variables are in SSA in LLVM. There is a really convenient mechanism by LLVM uh, that will let you build uh, like simple trees uh, from objects. So for example, you can just take any object and say to LLVM, hey, please expand this to a tree, and it will do so. And then you can pattern match this, this tree. Uh, the implementation is in this header. If you are like uh, into C++ and templates, I recommend this. It is a really nice piece of code. Uh, the problem with this is that it cannot go through loads and stores. So as soon as it, for example, there is x is equal to load eax, it cannot determine when this eax was defined. To do so, we need something more like heavier. Uh, of course, reaching definition analysis, that's like standard. We also created a another module or representation that we call symbolic trees that can do the same thing as the LLVM but using reaching definitions. And then we basically copied the interface defined here uh, and created LLVM-like pattern matcher that can work on those symbolic trees. So for example, this can be a pattern used in, uh, in, in assembly. Uh, it is, well, it is not too complicated, but it is more complicated than it has to be. Basically, if you match this, you would you want to translate it to something like this. Uh, this whole code does just ask if these values are not equal. Uh, how do we do that? Uh, this is like an instance of that tree that I said, of the symbolic tree, and then we use the mechanism to match it. And we basically say match it and uh, like end up in this if, if uh, there is a like comparison, and the first operand of the comparison is another comparison, the second one is one, and this one has like a sub-instruction on two values and zero. Even cooler thing is that this C here stands for like commutative, so this actually can handle with uh, like switch operands and so on. Uh, I think it is a really cool mechanism to, uh, to match, like to do pattern matching. Uh, Basically, all these analyses are using some kind of pattern matching. Um, and they are further lifting the code, so uh, it is like closer to C. Uh, there are things that you would definitely expect, like uh, stack reconstruction, global variable reconstructions, and data type propagation, and so on and so on. Okay, when all those analyses are finished, we, there is like no more uh, lifting up that we can do on this level. So at this point, the backend comes in. Uh, backend is using a different representation called backend IR. It, uh, so LLVM IR is lifted to BIR and further optimized, and then the output is generated. Uh, the backend intermediate language is basically an abstract syntax tree. So you see that we are really going back. This is what uh, Clang would do. Uh, why we are doing this? Uh, because there are some more optimizations that are like specific to this step. So LVM intermediate representation have only like branches, conditional, unconditional, maybe switches, but there are no like breaks or continues or uh, force or whiles. So uh, this, all these constructs are like more, more high level than LVM IRAs. 
but we can represent them in backend IR. Again, pattern matching, if we detect some of these patterns, we can translate them to some high-level representation. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know, this is probably break, this is continue, and so on, switch, some kind of for. for. More optimizations, basically everything that we do, like every single pass is some kind of optimization. Uh, we can just compute some stuff or uh, makes, make the code nicer. Uh, in, in the control flow, there are several levels of optimization. So for example, we could get uh, in the first pass generate something like this, while, like infinite while that is being broken. But this can be like nicer if you modify this condition and move it here, and then you don't have the break. Uh, finally, code generation. We are trying to be like again as generate as as nice code as we can, and be like smart about it. So we name, for example, objects uh, depending on their context, uh, like induction variables or arguments. Uh, maybe someone sometimes we even know like the semantics of some functions so we can name the results. Uh, this is also a cool thing, uh, like context literals. We, for example, know that if we are dealing with this function that what this seven represents and uh, use some literal constants or, uh, yeah. Like Jakub said, we are generating several uh, outputs, but mostly C. There is some Python or stuff like that, but we are lately dealing mostly with C. Uh, okay, this is like a command line tool, and we are really not interested in like writing our own uh, like GUI or anything. Uh, so we decided instead to write the IDA plugin. Uh, what you see is like a typical IDA, and what you see on the right is uh, the compilation using our decompiler in IDA, not not hex race. Uh, how does that work? Um, you just let the IDA process the binary. There is a plugin sitting somewhere. If you trigger it, it will dump absolutely everything that Ida knows about the binary to JSON. Uh, this JSON is then used during the decompilation. So, for example, if you name uh, some function in Ida, we are using the name that you, you, you used. So the C, output C, should look or as much as possible as, uh, as, in, uh, as in Ida itself. When it is finished, we just uh, display it to user. We are trying to be to feel native and offer some interactivity, but at the same time, you have to realize that we are basically faking it. Uh, we are not sitting right in IDA as Hexeris does, so uh, it, is, it, is, it is like faked. Uh, just some examples of like, uh, how it looks like. Like context menu, so for example, this menu depends on uh, what object uh, is currently active. There is different menu for function than, for example, for global variable. Uh, if everything goes okay, uh, then uh, the results are trying to be as good as hex rays. So, for example, in this case, it is much more pleasant to analyze or understand what this code does in either hex rays or our red deck than in this assembly. Uh, of course, I have to say that not always uh, everything goes okay, and we still have like a major problems with quality, and we are not as good as X-rays. That needs to be said. So, uh, what's in the future? What we would like to do? Uh, everyone always asks us about like the new architectures, and Jakub said uh, 
there is already one guy working on it, but I'm kind of reluctant to like really push push this too hard uh, before we solve the major problems with the output quality. So uh, like maybe two weeks ago, we released another uh, version. Uh, there was quite a lot of improvements there, but there is still a lot of work to do so that I am satisfied with the code we are generating. Um, and then what we like to do, there are a lot of tools, uh, some of which we showed, but there are others uh, that could be used like on, uh, standalone, like without uh, the compilation in mind. But uh, because we don't really have any documentation, people usually don't know about those, so we would like to uh, fix this, because I think some of those tools could be useful for some people. Um, like I said, new architectures, and then improving our IDA plugin, and also we could write or help write uh, plugins for other uh, popular tools like uh, Binary Ninja Radar or X64 Debugger. Um, maybe there are or maybe there already some are some plugins for some of these, but I am not really sure like what's their state or. Uh, we are also going to drop our API. Uh, oh, not API. Yeah, we are going to drop our web-based web decompilation and the whole thing with that. So all these plugins will probably have to be rewritten, rewritten, rewritten. So they use like a local build, not the one that uh, was working through the network. Uh, okay, that's all from us. Uh, please ask any questions. So, yeah. Hello, thanks for your talk. <coughs> uh, I have questions, so I think <coughs> I'll ask some of them uh, when we will be drinking. Uh, first one is um, you, you, you seem to use in the LVM area, you have the context, which is a global one, the context of the CPU. You're modifying it per, per function. And do you have at some point a path that says, uh, we need to, to to say this this variable is actually a local one uh, to find local variable and so on stack variables which depend on the IBI and stuff like that. So does that happen at the LVM level or at the BIR level? Uh, it's happening on the LVM level. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's called that code that you saw was just right just right after the decoding, but those further passes would lift it up so that would, uh, stack variables would get created and maybe some uh, register would be like localized. So uh, they would no longer be a global variable, but it would just be like a local variable in, uh, like, um, uh, in, inside the function. Okay. Also, also like uh, registers would uh, get uh, like reconstructed uh, registers, arguments would get reconstructed and so on. And do you have some, at some point, ABIs that are described in a high-level fashion, or do you have code for each ABI, which is like, uh, yeah. we know this is Okay. Yeah, this is actually one of the things that we would like to improve. Right now, it is kind of hacked, so it is not right. so good. Uh, what we would like to have is like a dedicated pass, or we already have the dedicated pass for, for example, argument reconstruction, uh, but we wouldn't like... Uh, to have ABIs like hard coded in this pass, we would just like to have uh, like some general specification of the ABI that this uh, this pass would use. Okay. Yeah. So it really wouldn't matter. Uh, yeah. To, to the pass. Okay. Thanks. A question. 
Hello. Um, I was wondering if you support um, or plan to support uh, defining structs, so you can say that, that this is a pointer to a struct and the struct is like this uh, programmatically or some way. Uh, oh, okay. To build um, interactive tools. You mean you would like to define it as a user before the decompilation, or? Or maybe after you look at the decompilation and then you start. You say that this local variable is a pointer to a structure. Uh, now I'm going to define the structure. Yeah. So you're on the next pass, you can. That's that's plug in. that's kind of a big like issue that maybe I wasn't so clear about. Um, it's, it's hard hard, um, hard to explain. We are basically just working as a pipeline. So you have a binary and you just run it on and it it's output something. So at this point of you already have an output. It is quite hard to. Uh, it is not like in IDA that you can like. S Modify something and mm. get the result. Yeah. So what you have to, what you would have to do, and that's why I said that uh, we are faking it. At this point, you would have to run the compilation again, mm. but you would have to uh, like specify the structure. But you can do it, and do it, and it is already happening with the uh, with the IDA plugin. You just mm. say you just uh, in, if you s do this in uh, IDA. Uh, and you run it with our plugin, the structure gets serialized to JSON. It is also set, for, so for example, it's for global variable, it is, there is like a, some entry that says, this global variable has this type, this type look like this in JSON, and then it gets used. But it is, um, yeah, if you do this like um, on the big binary, then you've got a problem because you have to decompile it again. If you do this in IDA, what we actually do, we don't decompile the whole binary. We just decompile just one function that you are currently like on, and uh, it is quite fast in this way. But the whole like approach to this is different than with IDA, uh, with us. Thank you very much. The following question is going to be uh, you are going to be asked during the speaker dinner or the social event. Maybe a radar interaction, maybe. Thank you very much.